Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon as uh, we talk sports with you in 25 minutes or so, probably closer to 20 minutes or so. We will get our uh, buddy Dylan Montz in here uh, from the Ames Tribune. We'll talk to uh, Dylan about a number of things with some basketball, do some football, some plans for Orlando, uh, what the Ames Trib has got cooking, etc. Right now, our buddy Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News is going to join us. Week 15 comes to an end tonight. Precious few games left in the regular season. Vinny, Trent, and Ken, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Vinny Iyer, thank you for coming on. How are you? Uh, doing well, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on again. No, we appreciate uh, what you do for us, Finney. Look, yeah, yesterday just crazy. I mean, the end of the Atlanta game is one thing, especially if you're a better and had an over-under ticket. But if you're a Niner fan or a Niner player, uh, the fact that you dropped with the, that crazy ending with the two plays going under review at the end of the football game, one of them was uh, overturned, the other one also overturned, but this time in the favor of a touchdown, dropping from one to five, Ah, uh, boy, oh boy! That was that's that's quite a quite a steep drop, a quite a steep price to pay for not closing out the Falcons yesterday, as far as the Niners are concerned. Yeah, I mean, you knew that if you have few close games, and they've had a tough stretch there, and they were able to beat the Packers and Saints, not quite against the Ravens. I mean, that's a lot to play in a compressed period of time. Some very good teams, and the Falcons, we know, have been quite feisty. They found a little bit more defensive help. They have not quit on the season. And this is a team that obviously knows what Kyle Shannon is trying to do offensively. Uh, Dan Quinn, great knowledge there. So maybe different personnel, but there's an understanding of what they're trying to do. So it was a weird game plan for the 49ers. They really could have taken advantage, I thought, a little bit more of a depleted Falcons defense throwing the ball. But they pretty much just threw to the Iowa Hawkeye, George Kittle, and that was pretty much their <laughs> offense the whole game, and I think it caught up to them in the end where they couldn't run as effectively. So the 49ers are a weird team because they're figuring out how to win. I mean, these other teams like the Packers and Seahawks, uh, Vikings to some degree in their current forms have had success, but the 49ers are kind of mixing all these guys together do that week to week. So on the fly to have that chemistry and develop as a very strong team is one thing, but this consistency is going to be tough for the 49ers. So you look at it, it still didn't shake up their uh, playoff hopes too badly. They still have to kind of take care of business here against the Rams and Seahawks in the last two games. And then they still should be fine in terms of seeding. Now, the number one gets a little trickier here, but the good news is they have beaten the Packers and Saints. So if they can get back on track, get a little help here, 
uh, and uh, not too much, having the tiebreakers there, they're going to be in good shape still for that number one seed. Vinny, as it sits right now, the 49ers would be heading to Big D to take on the fourth seed, the East champion Dallas Cowboys. It was an eye-opening appearance out of them yesterday from what we'd seen the previous month. What do you read into this Dallas team? Certainly plenty of talent running around there. Did they figure it out all of a sudden in Week 15, or was it just a blip on the radar? Well, that's the thing about all these teams in the NFC. I think you've seen all these teams have some great, impressive, dominant performances against some pretty good teams. Then you've then seen them just totally go out and uh, struggle against some uh, lesser teams. I mean, that's been the whole story of the NFC, where that's why what makes it so wide open. That's why they get in the tournament. They're still in the tournament. It makes it difficult. And one thing about the Cowboys is they're getting a little healthier. I know they still have some defensive injuries, but you look at the way the 49ers are getting depleted. The Seahawks are dealing with a lot of injuries. The Packers have a few players that are going down here, and the Saints certainly have a lot now, especially in their front seven. So all that being said, the Cowboys are relatively healthy. They're still kind of the identity of what they want to be here offensively. And, again, uh, they can get hot any time. So I look at this NFC tournament truly being wide open. I don't think the home field matters as much here for this because I think all these teams can win in other buildings. Mm -hmm. But to me, the biggest thing is just having that extra week to maybe rest up, get a few extra bodies healthy. Right now, the Packers would have that that luxury, that extra week off, uh, as they sit in the two-seed right now. Vinny, watch the Packers and the Bears yesterday, and I've watched Aaron Rodgers a bunch this year. Like he's still the top ten quarterback in the league. There's no dispute about that from in my book. But for years he was either you know one, two, or three best in the league. Are you seeing maybe a slight decline of skills? I know yesterday he was running the ball more. He had a season high uh, uh, run uh, in the football game against the Bears, which was like a seventeen or eighteen yards, whatever. But when you watch Aaron Rodgers, are you starting to see a bit of a decline, or just the game's been so darn good when maybe he doesn't have quite live up to that expectations that we overreact. Where are you on Rodgers? Well, I think it's very nice for Aaron Rodgers where it's not all on him anymore. That was the biggest problem with this Packers team is that he had to come through with miracle plays in seemingly a lot of games for them just to win. But now their defense is playing well. Aaron Jones up to 17 touchdowns, I believe. I mean, he's been running well. They're running when they need to. They're making some timely big plays on offense and defense and special teams. Maybe not the consistency. Uh, I think people are always looking for them to be this 30- to 40-point machine every week, but that's maybe not what they're built for, especially when you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, who does he trust really after Devontae Adams in his passing game? I mean, that's been the biggest issue. They've drafted all these guys, uh, brought them in. They've had promise for John Allison and uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard at times, but nobody's really stepped up to be that number two. And with the Green Bay, you've always seen kind of that progression where there's been the number two and even number three, and you don't have a guy like Randall Cobb there anymore, Jordy Nelson. So Adams is pretty much the only show in town in the passing game, but we know they're deep in the running game. We know they are, have very good offensive lines. We know that their defense is much improved with their pass rush and secondary. That's the strength of the teams now. So you got to credit Brian Gutkins, the uh, – general manager here he really saw where the Packers needed to go on top of the, the hiring here at Battle Floor that changed the identity make them a little bit physically and mentally tough here to handle things and Aaron Rodgers I mean this is a guy that is still lingering around in the playoffs and he may not even need to showcase his best but you know we've seen it in the Cowboys games 
We know we can, he can do it against the Vikings. We know uh, that 49ers game was rough, but we've seen him do it against the Seahawks. So there's all these teams that are very familiar to him that he can go on a run at any time. So the other things are working. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the fine element here going forward. So the Chiefs uh, to the south of us have won four in a row. They're 10-4 and four in the season. Still opportunities to uh, run down one of those top two seeds and get a bye in the first round. It's been an odd season. Really banged up Patrick Mahomes. Going into January, where do you see this team? I mean, this team is really well positioned right now. I think a couple things that have developed here during the season is that uh, you now have your team healthy again in a lot of positions. I think running back is the only question mark, but they've been doing it with the committee all year anyway, so it's not like they have uh, really pivoted too much from where they were at the end of last season after things went downhill with Kareem Hunt. So you look at that, that's maybe the only concern you have going in, but their line is looking pretty good. Their skill players are delivering here at a high level. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill seem to be uh, just fine now uh, with their usual selves with a fully strength Patrick Mahomes here. So when you look at that, uh, that's good. But the nice thing that's happening here in Kansas City is the defense. I mean, they've been much maligned. They can't stop the run and all that. People were all over that. But what's good is the Chiefs actually are better off being a team that can stop the pass versus stopping the run because they're going to put teams in position to pass all the time, pressure to score and keep up with Patrick Mahomes. So those teams may ideally want to run like the Chiefs or the Chiefs uh, Patriots matchup last week where you probably wanted to run to stay in the game, but the Chiefs kind of took them off that uh, ability. And then you saw the Chiefs kind of tee off of their pass rush. They, I think switching to the four three has been uh, wonders for them. Instead of having a lot of guys left uh, out of position and exposed in that defense. So, Defensive changes, the way they're playing now with Patrick Mahomes, they might end up with the same exact 12-4 and record here and hmm. feel a lot better about their chances this time around than last year. You know, the Vikings to the north of us, uh, they might end up at 12-4, and and they may be forced to go it's out. And it's, isn't it nuts? They may be on the road, Vinny, uh, and not have a playoff game, which is just crazy. Dalvin Cook gets banged up a shoulder in the game yesterday. Mike Boone, who's been... You know, in and out of the lineup and hasn't had many carries as the rookie boys from Boise State. Madison has been the number two guy, but he comes in, has a significant role. Thielen is back. I agree with you. The teams in the NFC can go on the road and win. The Vikings looked as though that's the path that they're going to have to take. Are they up for it? Well, definitely. I mean, you look at their resume, it's pretty strong right now. I mean, I think it would be nice here to beat the Packers here to get a little bit more confidence even if you don't win the division, ultimately the Packers can still take care of that against the Lions no matter what happens this week. But, I mean, even if you don't win, end up winning the North, I think you want to have that feeling that you can play with the big teams in this conference. Right now the only test they've really had is the uh, Seahawks, I mean, and they didn't do very well in that game. So I, I think you look at the Cowboys, they would feel very comfortable about that matchup. They didn't go into Dallas and win. Early year, I mean, they also were able to beat Philadelphia this year. So, I think those two matchups are fine if they had going as a five seed. Now, if you go into the six, Yeesh. that kind of just changes things. A little, right. They changes things a little bit because then you're going to see either the Saints, Saints or maybe a rematch with the Packers, and I don't think you want that on the road to, to start your playoff run. So, at five versus six, I mean, right now it's crazy, but they could be anywhere from one through six. Mm. And a lot of crazy things would have to happen for them to be one, but more likely they're going to end up at five or six to get in the playoffs. So I think you really want that five if you're an NFC team because uh, it changes the intimidation factor. Sure. Dallas, and, 
Philadelphia versus uh, Green Bay or New Orleans. The final game in the Coliseum for Oakland. It ends in typical mm. Raider fashion, blowing a uh, 13-point lead, 16-3 against the Jaguars as uh, Jacksonville comes back and gets the win in that one. No more football in Oakland. How big of a blow, if any kind of blow, is this for the NFL? I, I just should just put the stats sheet in a shredder. I mean, to think about all this, like the last game in Oakland, the uh, Jaguars had been losing games yep. by 17 to 20 points every single week. And they go on the road down 16 to three at halftime and pull this out. That's typical Raiders in every way, shape and form. And uh, it's really disappointing. The Raiders had a lot of good vibes in their season. I mean, it's still six and eight. When you look at that, you say, okay, and they did some things to improve, but they had a, chance to do some bigger things this year even without Antonio Brown surviving that mess having a lot of optimism with your young talent on uh, defense and offense so there are some things I like about the Raiders but I mean Derek Carr I mean that's the hardest thing what you thought in the middle of the season you're good with Derek Carr he's back he rebounded but now you look at that the way he's played of late the way they turn over the ball you're not sure what team you're getting that's moving to Las Vegas from Oakland. Are, are they someone that's going to turn the corner, or are they a team that is kind of a fool's gold here that you only see good parts of them at some point, but maybe this is not working out ultimately with John Gruden. So a lot of question marks as they leave Oakland. I think there'll be initial hit in Las Vegas. The honeymoon period will be fine, but they're going to start figuring out how to win with this young talent because I, I think they're – End of the season is highly disappointed given how well they began the season. Vinny, I got two more for you, and that uh, your your car answer led me to one of them. Uh, more likely to have a new quarterback under center. Trubisky will be on the sidelines with uh, holding a clipboard, or Carr will be on the sidelines with the Raiders. Trubisky or Carr, who gets replaced in the off season, if any? Well, I would say right now Trubisky's kind of played himself to not be replaced at this point. I mean. It's funny, we thought uh, it was more that Matt Nagy needed Mitchell Trubisky a little bit more. Now Mitchell Trubisky needs more help from Matt Nagy because I think you've had some disconnect in their offensive yeah. calling and all that. So I think you have to give Trubisky a chance. I think you have to also be careful about locking into like a Jared Goff, Carson Wentz type contract before you need to. I think you just waited out here. As long as uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Watson in that same class are not sign. I wouldn't rush here on Trubisky. I would give him one more year, see what's happening there. And then Derek Carr, I mean, there's a good chance the Raiders, I mean, looking at the draft next year, there's going to be a lot of quarterback options that I think they'll at least give themselves an option. I don't think necessarily it'll be a first-round pick, but second round, third round, someone like that to come in and compete because it's just not looking good here with Derek Carr in terms of being a long-term answer for the Raiders. No kidding. Uh, Vinny, last thing for you. Uh, it's, it's been very quiet in Foxborough pursuant to number 12. Um, it, it, it seems like maybe that they're at the end, Vinny. And, and I thought that, you know, if there's one guy that Belichick just not going to be, you know, to cast a drift, it was going to be Tom Brady. But uh, Belichick's Belichick, and maybe nobody is uh, is, is above uh, the wrath of Belichick when, it decide, when he decides it's time to move on. Do you get the sense that they're close to moving on from Tom Brady? Yeah, this one is interesting. I mean, they've obviously dispersed their options. Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett are long gone here as uh, guys that could help. I don't know if Jared Stidham is the answer, to be honest. I mean, we've seen him in very small sample sizes. There's a lot of work to do there. So that's the question. What is your next plan? I mean, 
it's interesting. I mean, you look at uh, Philip Rivers being a free agent, Tom Brady is out there. I mean, Drew Brees technically is not signed, and uh, Brees has had probably the best season of those three, but still some question marks about his future. So that slow changing of the guard quarterback that kind of started with Peyton Manning hanging it up, uh, Tony Romo, those type of uh, guys uh, going away. Now you might see that full-fledged. Uh, you see the takeover of the young guys. Uh, Russ Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are going to be suddenly the old men. Here. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson, those guys are going to push this game into the future. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's changing the way we look at quarterbacks, the athletes that are coming out. And uh, Tom Brady just seems like uh, kind of more dinosaurish there. Like he's trying to get things done, but – it's really hard when he doesn't have a lot of help, and that's pretty evident this season. You miss Drew Locke when you're talking about the future of the league. <laughs> okay, Mr. that's Bronco. my Bronco <laughs> fandom showing up. Uh, Vinny, listen, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you for what you've done for us all season long. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Vinny. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Same to you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Take a timeout. Was, he didn't buy that Drew Locke in that mix. With well, he plays in Denver. Uh-huh. It was snowing yesterday. There's sometimes snow games. Did that have you pumped the brakes at all? No, it's just he just seems due for one of those bad ones. He was two and zero, and Chiefs were pretty good defense. That was a fun. I, I love snow games so much. Me too. The shot though of Shady McCoy running in through this Buffalo? In that Buffalo game. Oh my! I remember that game vividly. Me too. But there was that one shot of him going into the end zone. How deep that was snow like was! It was like a plow trench. It was up to his knees. It was incredible. How he was just high stepping through yes. it. Nobody could catch him. Oh, those games are so good. Yeah, they really are. Love them. Absolutely love them. Uh, here's one for you. Since you were the one that alerted me that Fox couldn't grab Eagles Cowboys this week, because mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised that the Chiefs and the Bears stayed at Sunday Night Football. Now, selfishly, I like the move, but I thought, you know, NFC East, America's Well, and the team. other thing, don't they have to flex before the week going into it? Uh, I I, they made the decision last night to stick with it. So maybe oh, they it's did? Late okay. In, All so right. week 17, look at, can they grab Seahawks Niners? Week There's, 17, I think everything's on the board. And remember how they play around with the schedule? And some games they move to that 3 o'clock window uh-huh. with playoff implications. Yep. And if it doesn't, then you're in the new window. For competitive reasons. Yes, so they will play around with that too. So I think everything's on the board. And there's been a couple of times where there's anything that's really a right. playoff game and they don't even put one on Sunday Last night. couple of years, I think, Trent. Last has year not, for sure. Maybe the, maybe the two out of the last three there has not yeah. been a Sunday night game because nothing mattered. But Seahawks-Niners looks like it's going to come down to Week 17. That's the one that makes I the would most think. sense. Yeah, I would think. But there'll be a lot of playing around. And uh, what's the date on the final week this year? The 29. 20, the 29th. Yep. Okay. You know that when it falls like on the 1st or the 31st and things like that, kind of throw a wrench into that Week 17. Now, not for you. No. It's football always number one. It was, uh, it, it was Saturday was weird after Army yeah. Navy. It was weird. Did you that. watch Oregon Michigan early basketball? Yes, I did. Absolutely, yeah. I did. That was really good. Yeah. What's his name? Peyton Pritchard. My yeah. God, is he any good? Yeah. He scored 15 of Oregon's last 18 points, Trent. Get into lane. Jeez, he's a good player. Yeah, um, they almost got a squad out there. He's always got a squad. Yeah, that this, Nike this... money can go a long ways, mm-hmm. more ways than one. It's crazy how many times we've seen Michigan, right? Well, it helps when they play Iowa and Iowa State yeah, early yeah. in the year. Right. But, um, and then playing in the big in yes. battle for Atlanta, so they're on ESPN. Aren't they in Vegas this weekend? There's a huge tournament. Of, maybe they're not. That's the CBS Sports Classic. I think Ohio State is Maybe there. that's it. I think, it. I think it is Ohio State. North Carolina, boy, they've got some injuries. Wofford. Depleted. Well, Leaky Black's not out of the game. What are you going to do without Leaky? 
it's a, and a question trend we've pondered for forever, seemingly. We'll take a time out. Dylan Moss will get in here. We will talk Iowa State with Dylan when we return. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 14th. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you until noon, Mr. Monday Night's got to make an appearance. Are we sure that we want Mr. Monday Night? Well, it's up to he is. You know him awful. better than I do. That guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple four of losing weeks in a row. Yeesh. Speaking of that, and I don't want to bring up our friend Mark Charter, so I won't. Oh, 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 and three, Trent. Well, we both had good weeks. We've had some. We've been on a run. Anyways, we'll get to that later on in the week. Let's get Dylan Montz in here as we talk to him. Uh, Ames Tribune, of course, where you can read Dylan. Uh, it's Iowa State. It's Notre Dame. It's the 28th of December, 11 o'clock in the morning, ABC. Dylan, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing well, guys. How about you? Doing well. So, Dylan, help us out here. Uh, when will the team leave? Do you know yet? Are they leaving Sunday or do you know? Uh, they'll leave on Monday. Monday, uh, so okay. they'll, get, they'll get there and get to the hotel, and then um, they'll have a couple practice days on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, uh, leading up to it, and then a couple press conferences later in the week. So their their schedule's pretty well mapped out so far. Will you be spending Christmas in Florida? I will. Yeah, I'll be there on Sunday afternoon, um, and then through through the rest of the game, obviously. So. Uh, a long week in Florida, but it, it's welcomed after this, this cold spell. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Dylan Monts, Ames Tribune, is our guest. So, Dylan, uh, help us out. Uh, I know that they've had a couple of practices. I don't think that you guys had any availability with coaches. A lot of them, uh, according to Twitter, a lot of coaches been in living rooms uh, since the season came to an end as they shore up recruits, etc. But what, what, uh, what has the football team done uh, since we've last seen them, Dylan? Yeah, so the the bulk of last week was kind of just a little bit of a reset while coaches got out on the road recruiting. And then, um, you know, Matt Campbell had said they would start to get into practice a little bit more um, this past weekend uh, once everybody kind of reconvened. But um, when they would when they were selected for the, the Camping World Bowl, Matt Campbell had said that all the guys had kind of um, not necessarily stayed away from the facility but hadn't touched, you know, football basically. They'd been kind of – um, I don't know if it was directed to, but just kind of, um, you know, take a mental breather. It's just because the regular season is so uh, grueling and it's such a grind. Um, it, it's good to have that kind of little um, time off before you get into bowl prep and, and all those sorts of things. And, you know, Brock Purdy talked about the value of that, too, and how it can kind of refocus everybody as they gear up for um, for this run in December. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of preliminary getting back into it, but, um, the the time in between the Kansas State game and um, now when they're starting bowl prep was just more of a, a mental reprieve than anything else. Uh, Ian Book, the quarterback for Notre Dame, uh, nowhere near as big as Jalen Hurts or uh, Ellinger for that matter, but he's one of those dual threat guys, and they've seen a bunch of these type of quarterbacks. Dylan uh, Book can do some damage with his arm. He's thrown uh, 33 touchdowns, I think was the number. He's uh, He can run the ball. He didn't crack 1,000 yards. didn't come anywhere close to that, but a dual threat quarterback in Ian Book, you know, playing in the Big 12, they've seen this uh, similar games out of the quarterback that they're going to face in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, you can go on down the line. Jalen Hurts, Sam Ellinger, Charlie Brewer, 
um, Spencer Sanders to, to a degree, Skylar Thompson a, a little bit, although he was a little bit more run heavy. But um, that, that's maybe kind of the thing. They have a little bit of a blueprint, but um, you know, and, and Matt Campbell and Greg Eisworth is uh, one of the other players we talked to during bowl selection. They had said, you know, obviously they hadn't gotten gotten into much film yet on Notre Dame, but both were able to come up with. Um, you know, some of the performances that Ian Book had had and, and how dangerous he can be. And, um, you know, he's got some weapons on the outside of the receiver, a good tight end. Um, they've scored a lot this year. I think they're up over 37 points per game. Um, you know, they'll be without their offensive coordinator, it sounds like, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, Brian Kelly and, and decided to part ways with or um, whatever the case was. So, um, I mean, this offense uh, is potent. I think it's the most, um, the most prolific since Brian Kelly's taken over um, in 2010. So, uh, a lot to pay attention to, and it does start with Ian Book and some of his uh, dual threat ability. It is Notre Dame. You know there's going to be big-time players out there making certainly a, a name for themselves and a push forward to next season. What does a victory against Notre Dame do for this Iowa State program? It, it's a win. It's a bowl win. It's a lead-up into the college football semifinals. I mean, there's a lot of pluses there. How much does it elevate the program in your mind? Yeah, I think it, uh, I'm writing about this for um, maybe later in the week or early next week. The, the visibility that, that this does for Iowa State as a brand, I think, is is uh, a really good opportunity. And that's why, um, you know, getting getting that versus the Liberty Bowl was, was so important because it, it just elevates you to a different stage. There's only four games right. on December 28th. Um, you mentioned the two college football playoff semifinals and then the Cotton Bowl at Penn State and Memphis. So, uh, the, the stage is there. Notre Dame's going to attract a lot of eyeballs, obviously, mm-hmm. with its national following. Um, so I, I think, yeah, you know, obviously you want to win the game. If you don't, you still get out there on, on national TV. You can kind of um, maybe showcase a little bit of the program. But if you do win, it's a springboard not only for the guys on the roster going into 2020, but also is another recruiting opportunity just to get guys um, you know, a little bit more introduced maybe to Iowa State than that previously wouldn't have been. So uh, a, a really good chance for them to kind of take another step as they're trying to um, build the program into one that consistently goes to the postseason and, and wins games. Will you and the uh, rest of the Iowa State football media, will you have an opportunity to talk to coordinators or Campbell at any point this week? Yeah, uh, at th- this week, no. Um, yeah, just Matt Campbell on Wednesday. Um, you know, there, there's the signing day celebration. Oh, sure. I know yep. all, all the coaches will be there, but um, yeah, no, nothing formal or official with coordinators. Just Matt Campbell. Interesting. Is there uh, a lax? The freshmen are, are not allowed to talk. Does that change during bowl game? I don't or think so. You have to wait till the spring to uh, hear from some of those youngsters. No, it's got to be because you didn't get to yeah. Purdy last year, right? Till till January. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Last year it was um, those guys were still off limits until after the season. So Brock Purdy and Mike Rose actually had a special availability. Right. I think maybe the middle of January where they both came over and, and talked for the first time. So I would assume uh, a guy like Brees Hall, maybe they'll do that again um, sometime, maybe a week or two after the season ends. But yeah, still still uh, a little bit in the dark there as, as we get into the bull, bull stuff. Uh, Dylan Monsames Tribune is, is our guest. Dylan, what about uh, we know Narvison's uh, entered the transfer portal. Anybody else? Might there be some surprises, Dylan, uh, anywhere? Uh, you know, guys that um, you know just decide that maybe they're not getting the opportunity that they think that they deserve or, you know, for whatever reason, they decide that, uh, that Iowa State's not working out for them. Any Any whispers out there? Yeah, other than Braden Arvison, nothing really concrete uh, right now. And then, as you mentioned, there's always seems to be a couple guys that you weren't necessarily thinking that end up there. 
um, you know, but nothing really that, um, you know, could put a name to right now. But there, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, internet rumors and stuff about who could be, who couldn't be. But as, as of now, Nyerson's the only one that I know is um, said that that's what's going to happen. But uh, I would expect, you know, as you get after the bowl game, maybe the, the week or so after, mm-hmm. guys are going to start be to be looking. That's just the nature of it when you have 105 uh, guys on a roster. So, yeah, nothing yet, but um, uh, we'll see. So uh, it is signing day coming up on Wednesday. We'll get that first signing period with 21 Cyclones expected to sign. Anything else you're anticipating? Anything that the Cyclones are waiting on? And, and the thing is that this conversation has shifted just the last couple of years so much because Ken brought it up a little bit earlier with the transfer portal. And you want to have a little bit more flexibility in the roster than you won in past years. Absolutely. I, I think um, you know there's always going to be guys that are kind of left um, – you know, in January, as you try to wrap up recruiting, I know a lot of the efforts will be spent on kind of starting with 2021 and, and going from there, but there are ways to kind of fill out your roster a little bit more. I mean, the, the, one of the perfect examples is they didn't get Brock Purdy uh, until January uh, when they really kind of went heavy on him, um, and, and he ended up committing and then signing at the, the later period when his recruiting has started to really ramp up. But yeah, I, there's probably a couple guys that I would say could fill um, – key in on uh you know maybe they go after an offensive lineman specifically a tackle just to kind of help um reinforce what that offensive line is going to be just with so many new faces that are going to that are going to wind up there maybe they look at another wide receiver um so yeah i, I don't think um you know they, they have obviously uh you know 90 percent of the class done now 95 percent and those guys are going to sign but there's always maybe a couple that are they're going to be left over and um, it certainly seems to always be the case because guys um, can come and go a little bit easier now with, with the portal and, and new names always seem to pop up. A couple more on football, Dylan, and then we'll, a couple on basketball. We'll let you go. Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune. So he mentioned the transfer portal. How about guys you know, submitting paperwork to, to at least take a look-see as far as the NFL, get some feedback from them? Uh, I'm convinced Eisworth would have had he not had the injury, uh, as many injuries as he had this season. I guess it was, more, it was one injury, but it seemed to you know, pop back up every, every time he tried to play and, and give the kid a ton of credit for trying to gut it out, as important as he is to that defense. Charlie Kohler, I just saw you tweet. Uh, he's uh, Associated Press third team, uh, All-American. A uh, couple of Iowa kids on that list as well. Keith Duncan, first team. How about that? Tristan Wurst and Epinesa, second team. But Kohler, Kohler and Eisworth, might those two submit paperwork to at least explore what the NFL is saying about them? What have you heard there, if anything? Yeah, I haven't heard anything yet, but those would be the two guys that are quote-unquote underclassmen that I would assume um, the staff would try to get feedback on and, and give them educated uh, decisions on, on what to do. I, I would expect both to be back at this point. I think Kohler obviously uh, has had a monster year, but I think he's he's said enough times there are some things in his game that he knows he can refine and, and um, you know, is so focused on academics, and I know that's not the end-all, be-all, but he's a guy that I feel like or at least come back another year, get his degree, and then um, you know explore his options from there. Because I think there are ways, as good as he's been, that he can kind of build on. And then with Eisworth, um, the injuries that he's kind of dealt with this year, and the, the choppy, um, you know, the reps that he's been able to get in there for, just because of his, his shoulder. Uh, I, I think had he not gone through that, he would be in a more real position probably to, to make the jump now. But I, I think another off season, another full season that he can kind of be out there and be healthy would, would put him in a prime position, obviously. But I think those are guys that will probably 
seek seek feedback just to at least know what they can work on or, or what the next level is looking for from each of those positions. Last thing on football and then basketball, as I mentioned, for a question or two. Uh, we know that the original allotment of tickets has gone Iowa State. I think they got 8,000. They've sold all those. Uh, no surprise, Dylan, but it sounds as though it's going to be very difficult to get to Florida uh, if you want to fly and do so at the last minute, maybe get a place to stay and then get back uh, to our fine state. But uh, no surprise, Iowa State fans are just lapping up this opportunity to see Notre Dame in the camping world uh, versus their school uh, in Orlando. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know right after the selection, Jamie Pollard had come out and talked to the media there, and he said that was... Um, you know, one of, if not the biggest selling points is that if Iowa State would get taken in that game, um, people would flock down there and, um, you know, kind of follow suit with what they did at the Liberty Bowl a couple of years ago and then the Alamo Bowl last year. And it seems like um, they're on track to do that. As, as expensive and tough as maybe they get to Orlando, if, if people are um, not seeing the opportunity to go fly, uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a, a caravan of, of people driving down um, to the southeastern part of this uh, country and and catch that game, especially to to get away from some of the the weather that we've had. So uh, I wouldn't blame them. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a a pretty big group down there. Finally, some basketball. Dylan, and a long week for Iowa State as they wait, get through finals this week, and get back on the hardwood a couple of cupcakes before Big 12 play gets started. But your thoughts on what we saw at Hilton on Thursday night, just Iowa coming in and controlling that game from start to finish. And, Got to be a rough one. Uh, wouldn't like like to be in practice running those sprints this week. Hmm. Yeah, that that game was. Uh, I know people are probably said it, but that it felt like it was over in the first five minutes. Yeah. The energy levels were just totally different places, and I don't know. It, it, it could be one of two things. It could be uh, a game that you don't want to sit on for a full week or whatever before you go out and play uh, a directional school, or it could be a game that. Um, ends up lighting a fire and motivates these guys. And, you know, you figure out some things. Maybe you look at some different lineups. Uh, the shooting, I know, is is one of the biggest concerns right now, uh, especially from Wong. You want Bolton to get a little bit more uh, rhythmic uh, with his run. You want Prentice Nixon to be able to knock down a couple when he's open. Um, Tyrese has been really good. Um, George Connett's been really good. But uh, they need a couple of these other uh, role-player guys to, to kind of uh, fill out maybe – um, some of the potential that they should have on offense, but yeah, it, it, a lot, a lot to figure out in in a little bit of time here before Big 12 play ramps up in a few weeks, and then uh, all of a sudden you're you're kind of in the thick of it, and then Auburn's thrown in there too, so there's there's mm. really no let up then. Mm. Dylan Mont, James Tribune, Dylan, thank you. We will uh, reach out towards the end of the week at your uh, availabilities for next week as you will be down in Orlando covering Iowa State versus Notre Dame in the Camping World Bowl. And you can read it uh, at aimstrib.com or pick up the paper. Do a little old school. Dylan, thank you as always, Dylan Mont. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Dylan Mont, Ames Tribune, aimstrib.com for Dylan. We will take our final time out of the day. Mr. Monday Night. What's the line, Mr. Monday Night? Uh, nine, nine and a half, kind of hovering in that range. Mr. Monday Night still does not have a solid play. Licking his wounds from the last few. <laughs> Finally got over 500. He was feeling good, and uh-huh, now uh-huh. he's searching for answers. <laughs> As a lot of gamblers are <laughs> each and every Monday. We'll uh, come back. Time to get even or even worse. Mr. Monday Night's got his play coming up before we get out of here at noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
Kickstart your day with the morning rush at 6. Dan Patrick and the boys from 8 to 10. Miller and Condon go in depth from 10 to noon. Colin Cowherd challenges your assumptions from noon to 2. Murph and Andy have sports and more from 2 to 4. And when you get in your car, join the sports fanatics for the best Hawkeye and Cyclone coverage anywhere. In your car, at work, at home. Keep it locked on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Hope Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Sad, only two weeks left of this. This Brutal. tune. Is as good as you could have got Oh, it's outstanding. I mean, NFL films in general, mm-hmm. incredible, but this... The trumpets when they bust in. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. It is. Here's an off-season topic that we'll be throwing around out there, I'm assuming. Who's going to take Booger's place next year? Feels it, inevitable, right? It and Joe Tessitore. Both of them. I think the team will be replaced. Joe Tess. There's a reason he was doing Mountain West games. He got the bump because he seemingly was always involved Every in close Friday, games. Every Friday, you're 100% right. But I, I was never a fan of him, and mm-hmm. I... Maybe it was just the social media reaction, I think, overdid his actual play-by-play chops. It could have been. Uh, Eli Manning's retired. Does that mean Peyton Manning is now free mm. to join the booth? He said he couldn't criticize his brother. I understand it. Yeah. Uh, but his brother's going to be uh, finished. He's got two weeks left, and maybe yesterday was his last start. Went out a winner. Good to see. I mean, didn't mm-hmm. beat anybody, but still uh, got that feeling of walking off the field and uh, as a winner for the last time in front of the home folks. Well, the home folks tonight are the New Orleans Saints, Mr. Monday Night. Yes. You said that Saints are favored nine? They are favored by nine. And, well, I found a profitable NFL weekend this weekend by fading the public. I don't have a strong read on this game as it sits currently at nine. The public is all over New Orleans, though. Mm-hmm. So you know what that means. We're going to fade they're on them the right again. side. <laughs> they're on the right side. Oh, it feels that way. But I'm going to fade the public again. Mr. Monday Night. Grabbing the points. Going to grab the points and uh, a chance to get back close to that 500 mark. We only have one week. more week, uh, yeah. Mr. Monday Night, and that's next week. The Packers will be uh, up in the Twin Cities taking on the Vikings with in a game that really the Vikings need help. Need to beat the Packers and then need the Packers to get beat next week in week 17. They were big Bears fans. Yes. I, I explained this to my wife before the Bears-Packers she game. She didn't understand it, huh? I said, well, A, you need it. She goes, I get that, but we're just going to beat them the following week. So who cares? Well, because the tiebreakers and you're going through. And she, she just told me to shut up. Trent, the Vikings could be 12-4 and four uh-huh. and have to play the three seed, which, as we sit here today, is New Orleans. Meanwhile, the five seed gets the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles, whoever wins next week. I mean, going on, the Vikings would have to beat, let's just say that it is the Vikings. For mm-hmm. them to get to the Super Bowl, okay. they would have to beat New Orleans. Uh-huh. Right? Then they would come back and they would have to take on Seattle or San Francisco, the well, one seed. Not necessarily because the six seed, oh, they'll be the six seed. There are the six seed. They're the six seed. So, so yeah, they they'd would have play to play the, the number one. one seed, and then they'd have to play who's ever left standing and do every one of those games on the road. Packers did it. Giants did it. We've seen it before. Yeah, we've seen it. Three before. straight on the road. This Vikings team is talented. Mm-hmm. I've told you since the summer. Top to bottom, it's my favorite roster in the NFL. 
Can they do that? Does it just come back to Cousins? He hasn't been bad. I mean, Dalvin Cook getting hurt. He's there's. I mean, he's he's had a couple of. Injuries. I like the Madison kid. So yeah, he's nice hurt. Back. He didn't play yesterday. It was uh, Mike Boone of all, and he ran the ball hard. He Dead. ran hard. You know, there's a lot of people surprised. Well, what the hell? Why are they showing the Cowboys game? Why aren't the Vikings on? CBS. CBS yes. had that game uh, yesterday. So it was an NFL Sunday ticket, which, by the way, this is something to file away. Um, uh, John, Ro- uh, John Oran from the Sports Business Daily came up with his media predictions. There's a whole bunch of contracts coming up at the end of this year mm-hmm. as far as properties. He says uh, watch Netflix for Sunday night uh, for this um, NFL Sunday ticket package. Ooh, watch okay. Netflix. Thinks that there could be a relationship there. Well, I already he, have Netflix if it's already part of my package. Speaking of that, DirecTV gave me these fi- this final month of the season free with Sunday ticket. Why? But what, I don't know. Just, so did they give me a refund since I pay for it? No, not for you, of course. They got your money. Indeed they do, and I'm glad that they do because I can't get enough of it. <laughs> All right, we're out of time. Murph and Andy today at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Iowa State pregame show. I'm assuming finals or not that they will have their coaches show tonight on at 6.30. Uh, then tomorrow morning, the morning rush will start a Tuesday at 6. Thanks for being with us. We're Miller and Condon every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.